Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Randy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast. Gang, before we get started, let me ask you a question. Do you ever wish that your staff would just get along? Do you ever wish that they just would gel and work as a team and like each other? They can be wildly different people, but they can still be a cohesive unit that's kicking butt and saving pets and being good to work with. That is a thing that can happen. Guys, I think a lot of us have wanted that at some point. We've been like, please make the click stop. God, does the front always have to fight with the back and vice versa? Does that always have to happen? If you're having these thoughts and you're like, oh, that sounds amazing. Could that really be the truth? Could that be my truth? Yes, it could. It could be. I promise it could be. Come to the Uncharted Staff Drama Conference in August. Learn about how to fix the problem. We have tons of workshops, hands-on exercises. You'll be part of the online community, the Uncharted community that never ends. It's always up and going. Super positive source of experience, information, and encouragement 24-7 whenever you need it. Lots of resources. Guys, you can make this thing happen. I'm looking at the agenda. I'm just going to pull one of our speakers, Debbie Hill, the one and only Debbie Hill is going to be there. I don't. If you don't know Debbie, she's an HR and management genius. She's been on the VHMA, uh, that's the Veterinary Hospital Manager Association Board of Directors. She is the chair for the CVPM Board of Directors. She knows this stuff backwards and forwards and is a great teacher of the ways to rise above HR headaches. She will be there for the whole time doing workshops hanging out, getting to know people, and just being a part of the magic that we're creating. So, if you're like, oh, I need this, head over to unchartedvet.com, get signed up for the Staff Drama Conference. It is filling up. We will be closing down registration in just a couple of weeks. We like to get registration shut down way ahead of time so we can really focus on the attendees who are going to be there and make sure everything is ready for them. So you will not be able to register in August. You need to pull the trigger on this sooner rather than later. All right, gang, that's what I got right now. Let's go ahead and get into this episode. And I just want to tell you, I think this is a fantastic episode. I really like it. It is jam-packed full of great stuff about six staff members. All right, let's do it. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me and Stephanie down with the sickness goss. <laughs> oh, man. Down with the sickness. Down it with is, the sickness. It is everywhere, man. We have had, this week has been rough. We had a vicious, vicious stomach bug go through the team. I had three team members who for two or three days each were literally laying half dead on their bathroom floors, not able to move. It was so bad. And then at the same time, we have got a nasty sore throat virus that has been going through our area and the kids bring home the crud from school. And man, we are all on the struggle bus, myself included. So it has been a week, man. Oh, buddy. I know. I feel you. 
And it's hard. And it's, it's one of those things like this is where I have some cardinal rules as a practice manager. And it's so funny that this topic is coming up this week because um, I have some cardinal rules about b- my team being sick. And they were all like, I'm so sorry. I know we're short staffed because we got, of course, somebody out on vacation this weekend. And I was like, look, nobody wants your germs here. Like nobody wants that. Nobody has time for laying on the bathroom floor for three days. Like keep your germs home. Suffer doesn't have to be silently. You keep it to yourself and then you come back to us when you're feeling better. Like I will absolutely work shorthanded all day long when the six like that go through the clinic. Oh, yeah. I I carry like those Clorox wipes, like not, not like a little package. I'm talking about the big plastic tube, you know, the the white, the white container that's, uh, you know, like like 10 inches long. I stick, I stick that in the, in the pocket of my coat and just wipe, wipe everything, just everything. I'm wiping down the pets after coughing technicians hand them to me. Try my best. I thought I was bad, man. I was wiping down the keyboards and the phone and the door handles and stuff last night, but wiping down the pets takes it to a whole no, new you level. Got, you got to go to the next level. No, I People walk up and I just spray them with Windex. Like I just shoot them right in the face. Can, can we have a can we have a picture of that on uh on Dr. Andy's <laughs> social media? Like Dr. Andy and his giant bottle of Clorox in his pocket. Oh yeah, I have a holster for uh, Lysol that I just can just just draw. I'll draw Stop on you. It. Stop it. Oh. Hey, Dr. Sarah, if you're listening right now, don't go getting any ideas because you would be the one on my team who's gonna be doing it. Oh yeah. <laughs> She'd be like, "Can I have a custom made tool belt, please, so I can carry some Lysol with me?" Oh no, I'm like, pardon me for a moment while I plug the HEPA filter in, and then we'll get started. Oh man. Okay, so tell us this. I'm really excited. Like I said, it's it's. Uh, fortuitous timing with this email. We got an email from a listener about something that has to do with sick days, right? Yes, here it is. So first of all, a little background on the listener. This listener is a medical director. And so she's a she's a veterinarian, associate of that, and now she's a medical director. And she is, uh, she was so kind, Stephanie. She said wonderful things to us about um, about being helpful as she has grown in her role. And that just made my whole week. So... That was awesome. That's awesome. Let's help her out. Let's help her out. So here's here's what here's what she gets into the meat. She says, My current staff issue is how to deal with sick days. We are a staff of 15, including the 2.5 doctors. There are several three to four staff that call in sick at least once a month. We have been quite short staffed, so this takes a huge toll on the team. There are a handful of us that pick up the slack. And we are all feeling the toll. What advice do you have to increase accountability with sick days? When is it a fireable offense? Thank you so much for your passion for vet med and addressing the gaping deficit in business management and HR in the profession. Eagerly awaiting every podcast listener. You have to you have to read part of the PS, which was my favorite part of this email. Uh, <laughs> that every podcast was capitalized with some exclamation points, and then she said, "Please don't judge my overuse of exclamation points." <laughs> She's very excited, and I absolutely loved her email. This was yeah. this. I was like, I love her already, and I haven't met her. I really hope that she joins the anchor gang because oh, she says, hoping to convince my owner that we need to join the anchor gang. That is I awesome. Would love to have you here. <laughs> that you is are awesome. my type of people. All right, let's okay. do some good here. 
All, All right. right. So sick days. She's got people who are taking sick days at least once a month. They're short staffed. Um, what do we do about increasing accountability? When is this a fireable offense? Um, okay. Let's start to unpack sick day problems. Yep. So I think the first thing you have to do is look at it and and ask, what does that actually look like in practice? And I think that she did a very good job of laying out the surface um, piece of it, which is that, uh, you know, when you have a team of 15 to support two and a half or three doctors, um, that's pretty good ratios, but you're definitely not overstaffed. So if three or four people are calling out, you know, once a month, that's like someone once every week. So that's not just a, okay, occasionally we're coming covering for someone who's got the stomach bug. That is a consistent chronic problem. And that looks very different. Right. Let's, so let's go ahead and, and lay down the big assumption here for this episode is that these are not people that have legit chronic illnesses. Correct? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you it, you could you could go it could go either way. I think it's I think it's tricky, and I and and I'm glad that you brought that up because one of the first things I'm in a, I'm in a lot of management groups, and when calling out comes up, there's always the trigger button reaction of people are calling in with illegitimate reasonings and it, and it shoots people's emotions about it through the roof. So they're like, well, they're calling out, but are they really sick? Are they really laying half dead on their bathroom floor? Or is this a constant thing? And even for some of those people who have um, what seems to us as constant issues, they often feel judged and we are often judging them about the legitimacy of their issues. And I think that you can't talk about this without talking about that. Right. That's just, that's just the thing for me is we all probably know people who have, um, immune system problems, you know, <laughs> that have ongoing disease, Crohn's disease, things, things like that, where they legit have ongoing medical issues. <laughs> and I, when it, and you, we went to joke about the beginning, you know, of like, no, stay home. We don't want your germs here. I am the person who feels like I am letting the team down when I, if I stay home sick. Mm -hmm. And so I have this guilt. And so the idea that people would be going, he's not really sick, is he? And I'm, I, that, that tortures me. So mm -hmm. the first thing is to say, I just want to be real clear and say, we are not talking about not being supportive of someone who has a ongoing medical condition and needs to take sick days. I think you and I would both be supportive of that and say, use yeah. those sick days, take care of yourself. We are not talking about working yourself to death. That is not what we're talking about here. We are talking about um, people who get colds on a regular basis, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. They get the yeah. stomach flu again and again. It's kind of like the people who have four grandmothers who have died. Yes. <laughs> God, I love you brought that up because that is a legit thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? It's, it is true. I'm like, really? Oh, okay. How many times are we going to get food poisoning in a month? And and so I think I think if we go with the valid assumption that even if there's one of those people in this practice, 
out of your three or four who is the um who is the one who it is a chronic not a chronic um disease or medical related state where you are are understanding and you there is validity there but for some reason there has been a shadow of doubt cast upon the validity of of this thing or even if there's not even if it's like yeah i, I have a cold or yeah you know I, my stomach's bothering me i just really don't feel good as a as a manager and and as an employee I, and i don't know if this is just how i was raised by my parents or because i'm old but i i was raised to you unless you have a fever or unless you have vomiting or diarrhea, you go to work and you let them send you home. And so we're faced, people people who were raised like me were faced with um, a, a new breed of employee who is like, uh, looks at it from the other side of the coin, which is, yeah, I really don't feel good. I'm, I'm not going to go in. Um, and there isn't that, there isn't that mentality of I'll try, I'll make it happen it just is what it is. And and those of us who struggle with that are the ones who are in the position of having to deal with it, which I think is a is a big challenge. Yeah. I can see that there's different philosophies on it for sure. And that that difference in perspective can definitely be it can definitely be challenging. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay. So if it's safe to assume that one of those people is is someone who there's some challenges to the validity of some of their issues but you also have multiple people on the team who are calling out with some sort of frequency um the biggest questions for me is what does that make it look like in practice so in a team of 15 people with two and a half to three doctors what does that look like what what are your staff ratios like um how understaffed are they actually i mean she said that they have been understaffed for some time and so when you add people who are calling out sick regularly on top of that, then you get into that state that she mentioned, which is the feeling chronically understaffed. Everybody is picking up the slack and the feeling of that is taking its toll. And that happens really, really quickly. Yeah, no, I I agree. Three to four people being out regularly is that that's a problem. And, And it's, it's workload on those people. And then a lot of times they start to feel like everybody's getting away with something except me. Right. And yes. that that's that's a problem. That that sort of saps morale. Yes. And then the other workflow related question in terms of what does this look like in your practice? Um for me is what who who covers when somebody's out sick? So if 3 to 4 people are calling out sick constantly is uh, a practice manager or is um, someone who's a floor lead having to step into being on the floor constantly to cover for that. And now all of a sudden, not only do you have, are you shorthanded and you don't have the actual physical bodies, but are you also in a state where people who have other jobs are not able to do their jobs because they're constantly covering the jobs of other people. And I think that that is common, particularly in practices um, and in smaller practices where your lead or your leaders or your hospital um, managers have come up through the trenches and have front desk experience or have uh, been a technician um, or an assistant and can step into those roles, they are often the, f- the first assumption that is made by everybody is, well, they can just do the job. And so they get they get stuck in this 
vicious perpetual cycle of covering for everybody else and then not being able to do their job. So I would want to unpack a little bit all of those things for this person. And I would ask them to do that as like, really look at what does that look like in your practice? Yeah. Yeah. I think from an emotional standpoint, it's easy to get resentful when we have people who are calling out. It is easy for that very reason is we're overwhelmed. I have things I need to do and now I'm doing somebody else's job. And that's, that's super frustrating. Getting angry generally is not helpful. Do you Mm -hmm. agree with that? For sure. For sure. Yeah. At the same time, we do not want the people who are being flexible for us, who are working shorthanded for them to feel like they're being taken advantage of. So Mm -hmm. getting mad, getting angry, not helpful. At the same time, just being Zen and Buddhist about it, that's also not particularly helpful because other people in the practice are going to wear down. And so this is not sustainable. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think, um, one of the number one ways that your hard workers don't feel as taken advantage of as they maybe could is when your team leadership from the doctors down. Um, and it sounds like since this came from a doctor, she is stepping into, help she's stepping up to the plate and she's helping out and I would hallucinate that the hospital leadership is too and so that's one of the easiest ways to make the rest of the team feel good about it is like look I I have no problem if we have if we have people out and they need help I will clean up poop I will clean cages I will room clients I will answer the phone whatever it takes everybody feels good about that and that goodness only lasts for so long before the resentment sets in not only for the team, because they're working with people who don't do that job regularly and who, like for me, I'm sure as much as my team appreciates. So this week is a great example because we had some people out sick and I was on the front desk for three days this week. And um, I'm sure my team appreciated it. They expressed their appreciation for it. And at the same time, I'm sure I drove them absolutely apeshit bananas because I'm getting the job done, but I'm probably not using their forms I'm probably forgetting to do things in the checklist order that they normally do it because I'm I'm just trying to help, right? But in trying to help, I'm probably creating some more chaos. So that that feel good feeling of like the leadership stepping up and the doctors jumping in to help you do tech work, it doesn't last very long because the reality is that's not their actual everyday job. And at some point, the irritation that the other pieces of it are being missed or not being done the way that they normally are or getting forgotten altogether, at some point that sets in. And that's just a hard and fast truth. Yeah. No, I completely <laughs> agree. I, I, th- I think that's a great I think that's a great way to put it. It really is. Yeah. No, I think that's a fantastic point. <laughs> so I think I think you already hit the nail on the head with this one, which is that you can't have teamwork and you can't have a a feel good culture about it when someone's cheating the system. Yeah. That's it. All for one, one for all doesn't work. If three or four people are like, forget it, I'm going to totally take advantage of this and all for one, one for all can cover for me while I'm, you know, hanging out at home Mm -hmm. or I'm, I'm, you know, traipsing around have having a day off you know right. without using a vacation day yeah yeah so yeah and, and so i think that we have to where what um 
I think we have to appreciate the reliable people who step up to the plate and who are helping. And I think it's super, super important to not let them feel um, like they are unseen. Like, yes, they're being taken advantage of. And until you solve that problem, they are going to continue to be taken advantage of. But don't let that go unnoticed. Like, call it out for what it is, whether you're having a one-on-one conversation with them, whether you're um, doing what I'm about to do today, which is go in and and um, bring some tokens of appreciation to my team and say, hey, guys, I see you. You have been working your butts off. I know this week has been a struggle bus, and I appreciate what you're doing. Whether you're doing it as a whole or you're doing it one-on-one with them behind private doors, you have to let them know that you see the sacrifice that they are making. Right. When you say, just to be clear, when you say call it out, that doesn't mean being like, hey, guys, I know you're working because Sharon can't get (laughs) her butt to work. Pneumonia, my rear end. Like, it's not not that kind of call out, but it is. Right. But hey, guys, I know that you're the ones who step up. And I want you to know that I see you. And this means the world to me. Yes. You know, do not let them feel like their sacrifice is unnoticed. And that's that's appreciation. And so then you uh, you talked about tokens. And I guess your staff is into tokens. Um, <laughs> but You know, I mean, what what I haven't met a vet, I get vet my staff. yet. I give my staff tickets. They get tickets of appreciation. Tokens of appreciation. No, I, isn't that a thing? Or is this you calling? No, it is. Is this you making fun of me because I used the wrong word again? No, that's a real thing. (laughs) No, but like I haven't met a vet med team yet that doesn't like food of some variety. You know, that's, that's a, that's a regular um, thing. You know, when, when my team is having a crappy day, like I'm all about the food. Let's let's get some treats. Let's raise some blood sugar. Let's you know we've got the the vegan vegetarian thing going on. Let's have some veggies. Let's have some some treats. But whatever it is, whatever whatever rocks your team's boats, whether it's um you know bringing them flowers or just writing um you know a handwritten card to say hey you guys I see you thank you so much for your for your help and support. I mean those little things I do them because. I was blessed enough when I was on the team to work in a hospital where the leadership did them for me. And I know how amazing it felt when someone said, I see you stepping up and I appreciate it. I try really hard to not let that go unappreciated now as a, as a leader. And I think it makes all the difference. No, I, I think you're right. And part of it is knowing your team and what mains a lot to them. Right. Are they uh, are they sort of gift motivated? Are they you know public appreciation motivated? Are they private appreciation motivated? You know, um, are they service motivated? Meaning, trying to help that person, trying to jump in and, and be there and support them. Right. Is is that is that what motivates them? Is it are they time motivated? Meaning that getting time with their mentor or time with a team leader or or feeling sort of special in that the in the training that they get right you know what what is what is their sort of appreciation language and so yeah i think you're right i think i i think that there's n- never a cost to writing a little note and and saying to someone hey you really stepped up today and i just want to say thank you and and you really mean a lot yeah it's amazing how much that means to people it costs nothing yeah yeah for sure so 
I think I think mentally you have to look at all of that stuff before y- you can approach the actual what do we do about it, right? Like, I right. think you have to in the moment acknowledge the work that is being done before you figure out what do you do about it. But but how do you how do we actually do something about it? Right. So we've we've done everything we can to shore up the team, you know, to to maintain the people who were there to keep their spirits high, to give ourselves as long a runway as possible. So you were right. You you know, these people are going to get resentful if they continue to get taken advantage of. There are things that you can do to lower the amount of resentment they're going to feel and lengthen the time until they feel that resentment. And that comes from appreciating the heck out of them, making them feel heard, making them feel seen, um, patting them on the back and, and, and making sure that they know that you know they're sacrificing. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Let's try to start fixing the actual problem now. Okay. So for me, the first place that I start as a manager, and we get, I see a lot of questions like this one come up on uh, management forums and boards and stuff. And the first question that I always ask is, what does your handbook say? What, 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 what is your, what is your actual structure? And it has to start with written because if it's not written, then it means nothing. So what is what does your handbook say? Do you have do you have rules? Do you, do you have um, rules about sick time versus paid time off? Is it all one giant bank? R- regardless of whether you're paying for it or not, what are your rules about taking time off? And also how how the notification happens because usually hand in hand with this, there's often questions of like you know the chronic people are like, hey, instead of picking up up the phone and calling and saying, Hey, I'm sick today. I'm not going to make it in. Um, I, I see a lot of the times, uh, managers asking now I'm getting text messages from people saying that I'm not coming in today because of X, Y, and Z. And my number one question is always, what does your handbook say? Yes. Oh God. Yes. Okay. (laughs) You, okay. You are never going to be able to guess or prove that this person calling you is sick or not sick. You right. may imagine it, but there is no scenario where they're going to call in sick and then you're going to capture them on hidden camera at Ikea shopping for, <laughs> you know, lifting heavy boxes and things. Uh, and, and you can just show that to them in a, <laughs> a Scooby Doo type reveal session where you're like, ah, uh, that's super fun to imagine not going to happen. And so you're not, you're not going to catch them and you run the risk of looking like a horrible person. Just like we had our disclaimer at the very beginning, people go, how dare you consider the idea that they might not be really sick when they are sick every fourth Friday, you know, <laughs> the year. how dare you consider that you are not going to be able to catch them. This is one of the instances where you have got to build a system that is fair and that doesn't really care. You know, like you just, we have got, we have got to make this as regimented as possible and know that, you know, people are going to be honest or they're not going to be honest, but we need to work on our culture, make this a place where people want to be, where they're going to show up. If there are people who are not part of the culture or they're undermining the culture, generally if you have a toxic person, the calling in sick thing is maybe not going to be the only thing that's going right. to be a problem. And yeah. so that's when we start getting into a fireball offense is 
this person, they don't show up a lot, but then when they're there, they also take breaks without clocking out. They do other things that are maybe related to that behavior. And that's really where we're probably going to, going to ultimately get them. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and the flip side of that would be that you absolutely can, you absolutely can terminate someone for excessive absences, but you absolutely cannot do that without a, a structure and a system in place and it being written and then there being documented follow-up on it. So that's where I ask, what is what does your handbook say? And so, um, you know, there is never a better time to update your handbook than now. So pull it out. If nobody knows where it is, that's, that's a, that's a great, um, you know, example of where things might be going wrong. <laughs> Nobody knows where it is or where it lives on the computer, but get it out and see what it says. And then figure out, like you said, what is something that feels fair? Everybody gets sick. Everybody's yep. got real life. And so you as a, as a practice and as a team have to decide what is fair um, living in real life. Cause we don't live in a bubble. People's cars break down. People's kids get sick. You get sick, like life happens. And so for me, it's about what feels like a fair policy, um, for the team as a whole. And then you always have to compare that to what is the legal requirement for your state. Um, right. now I happen to know that this person who wrote into us is, is writing from a state that there are some very specific legal requirements about what you have to allow in terms of time off and how it's compensated for. So make sure that before you write a policy, if you don't have a practice lawyer that you've had look at your handbook, I would highly encourage you to do it, but minimally check with your state's labor board and find out what the requirements are for you in terms of time off. And um, specifically with sick time, there are a lot of states now that are enacting um, rules and requirements in terms of allowing for specific sick time off. Yeah, I'm a big fan of practices having an employment lawyer. And that doesn't mean you have this person on retainer. It doesn't mean that you contact them even once a year. But it means that there is a person that you know or that you like who you can reach out to and they will bill you for their time. Mm-hmm. They they act how veterinarians probably should act as far as, oh, you want to talk to me? That's great. The clock is running. Um, and they are not shy about it. Right. That's okay. So let's take this as an example. If you're going to set your sick policy, when you set your sick policy, you got to make sure that you're legal. You've got to make sure that you're meeting state requirements. Everybody wants to do what's right. This is worth $150 mm-hmm. to talk to the lawyer and say, what am I required to do? Mm-hmm. And then you can build your policy out from there. You just don't want to end up on the wrong side of this. The other thing is you just never know when you're going to need an employment lawyer, you just never know when things will go sideways or there'll be questions that you have. And it's, I just think it's, it's good as a cost of business for me to have someone that I can reach out to ask them a question, have them bill me for 30 minutes or 20 minutes or 45 minutes to answer my question. And I do it every couple of years when something comes up. So I think that's an investment worth making in this case, if we have, if we don't have a policy, God, we, you got to have a policy. Let's make sure we're, we're legal and we're doing everything that we're supposed to do. And then it's got to be in writing. Yeah. And the other thing about attorney help too, is that, um, you may already be paying for it. So one of the things I would suggest is, um, I 
I was lucky to have the majority of my practice experience being California and California's state chamber of commerce. We were uh, chamber of commerce members and we had access to free um, legal advice through that. We were already paying for it. We could call up and ask an employment law question. They were specifically trained employment law um, attorneys who were at the end of, other end of the hotline. And we get, got, I think, an hour or two hours a year for free with our membership. So we're already paying for it. Figure out what um, what advantages you have and use them. And don't be afraid of the cost because I think you absolutely hit it when you said that it is far worth, it is so worth the cost. $150 seems like a lot for 45 minutes of someone's time. I get that, but it is going to save you so much money in the long run. Well, you think about how much money and how much pain it is when you have three or four people who are continually no-showing. Right. $150 compared right. to that is nothing. Right. That is absolutely nothing. And this that's, you know, that's being penny-wise and dollar-stupid. Yep. So I think you have to look at what does your handbook say. So if you don't have a policy, make a policy. And my suggestion is start with thinking about what feels fair to um, people as humans and go from there. And if yeah. you can be more generous and you're in a position to be more generous and you can um, provide paid time off versus unpaid time off, or um, you can provide, you know, uh, two weeks a year versus one week, whatever, whatever that is, just, just start from a place of good intentions and realize that we are all human and we all have to take a sick day sometimes. And we all have life happen um, and start there. And then the second part of my manager brain, aside from asking the question of what does your handbook say, automatically goes to the business side of it and the number side of it. And I want to know, what are you paying for? Are you, do you, do you have paid time off? Do they have paid sick time? Um, what, what are the costs? Are you paying relief? Are you paying overtime? What are the costs associated with this problem? If you have three or four people that are calling out at least once a month, I would argue you up one side and down the other that you have a money problem too, because you're probably paying overtime. You're probably paying um, sick time on top of paying the overtime. And so from a business perspective, that is absolutely something that I would look at as a manager and figure out um, what is the cost associated with that to know how that impacts the team? Because part of why you're constantly short staffed may be because you're paying paid time off benefits to the people, then you're paying overtime to cover the shortage. So you really are chronically understaffed and need to hire another staff member, but you don't have the capital to do that because the resources are being allocated to cover the people that are that are on the team already. And that is a really common problem for a lot of practices. And it's a super frustrating one. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And it's hard to dig too much deeper without knowing the specifics and having right. the conversations with these individuals. Yep, for sure. For sure. So what does your handbook say? What are you paying for? Um, and then the, the main, I think for me, the main point of her question was aside from the fact that it feels really crummy and we hear you and we, we understand because it happens, it happens at every practice at some point in time is what, what do you do to have accountability? And when do you, when does it become a fireable fence? When do you actually deal with it? And so my question to be to you would be how, how are you monitoring it? 
and again, this for me goes back to your handbook, but what is, what is your system? Is it, is somebody tracking when people call out sick? Is it actually being written down anywhere? Is it, um, is it something that has a cap to it? Or if people call out sick, are they being forced to take their paid time off before they take unpaid time off? Is it an unlimited, okay, well, they're just out sick again, so we're accepting it? Like, there's so many questions for me about how are you monitoring it um, that that really get into the nuances of the answer, but there has to be some sort of monitoring system. And so they are super easy, doesn't cost you any money, but minimally you have to have an Excel sheet and you have to be tracking your team and when they're calling out. So, you know, it can be as simple as having everybody's names listed. And then in the columns next to it, you put the date when they call out and the reason, like it doesn't have to be super fancy. We use the scheduling um, software in my practice. So when someone calls out, I go into the scheduling software and I actually have a shift called call, call out. And I put it on there and I make a note for myself. Um, I can print out the schedule a month at a time and I have that information at my fingertips in order to be able to track it. And I have the information uh, about their reasoning as to why they're out. Now I'm doing it professionally. I'm not putting information out there for the rest of the team to see, but um, whatever your method is for tracking, you have to have some sort of way to to monitor it on an ongoing basis. So, so that when you do sit down to address the issue, um, neither from your seat or from the, from the employee's position, does it feel arbitrary in how you're dealing with it. It it should never feel to them like, okay, well, you called out a bunch this month, so I'm going to fire you. Nobody oh, should be having that conversation. Right. <laughs> no, I agree. And I think the hard part is you put yourself in a, put yourself in a tough spot. If you say you've been out sick a lot, so we're going to take this action against you. I think that's going to end badly. Right. Uh, so right. yeah, I, I think that you, you've got to, you've got to measure it. It's one conversation to say, you've been out sick a lot, and that's a problem. It's another thing to say, you're sick only on Saturdays. Right. And right. once a month, you're sick on Saturday. Let's stop kidding each other. Like, this is, this is a problem. Well, and also, when it is chronic, it is okay um, as long as there is not a documented medical um, reason for the problem to be happening. So when you sure. have those chronic disease um, employees, you absolutely have a different level of commitment and monitoring because you are working within the confines of, of um, employment law. And that is, that is a different story altogether, but it is um, even for those people, it is okay to have a attendance policy that says this is the amount of absences. This is what constitutes an excused absence, a note from a doctor, a chronic, you know, chronic disease related thing, whatever your version of excused means. Um, and it can include a lot of different reasons, excused versus unexcused. And it is okay and perfectly acceptable, and you absolutely should have a policy that explains what the difference is between those two things, and then what are the consequences for your levels of unexcused absences. And if you have someone who is a chronic caller outer, it is absolutely okay to sit down and have the conversation that still feels 
at the end result, the same as having the conversation saying, hey, you've called out sick a lot, so we're going to let you go. But you're doing it from a place um, that is protecting you from an employment law perspective, which is we have this attendance policy. This is how the policy has been violated. This is how many times you've missed with unexcused shifts within this certain time period. This is where we talked about it verbally. This is where we sat down and reviewed the dates and times in writing. And now, unfortunately, you've surpassed our acceptable limit and we're going to have to let you go. That is a perfectly okay conversation to have if it's done the right way. Um, the end result is still the same that you have someone who's chronically calling out and you're letting them go because they're chronically calling out, but you're doing it in the right way. Right. And that's, that goes back again to the employment lawyers. Like it is worth paying for an hour, yeah. you know, to sit down and say, how do, how do I best approach this problem? What what am I obligated to do? What systems can I put in place? What, how do I hold people accountable? And also, you know, when, when do things become at a level where, where we can terminate? And I think, I think that you get rock solid legal guidance for your state and you make your policy and you put it in writing, you mm -hmm. put it in the handbook and then you run, you run that system and you run it and you run it fairly mm -hmm. at the same time, never lose it, never lose your compassion. And mm -hmm. so what that means is you can be a compassionate person and we can want the best for everybody and we can be cheerleaders as long as we have a system running behind that is fair and holds people accountable. Mm -hmm. I see a lot of times it's, it's very difficult to be continuously forgiving and supportive if you feel like you're getting taken advantage of. And I think honestly, sometimes you have people who need our support, but then there's two other people who are totally taking advantage of the system and they all get lumped together. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that's not fair. And that's a, that's a real, that's a real loss. Mm -hmm. And so getting something in place that is a system that works, that runs, that frees up for a lot of us, that frees up the, um, the judicial part of our mind, you know, the fairness part of our mind and allows us to just focus on communicating with this person, supporting them, supporting the team, you know, maintaining the culture that we want. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have that part set in stone, that machine that runs, that is clearly stated, it is real hard to get yourself into a positive headspace to be a good boss, to be a good supporter for the people who need that. Mm -hmm. And, and that I agree a hundred percent with you. And that brings me to the last thought that I had had about, about how do you, what do you actually do about it, which was, how are you enforcing it? And one of the things that I see commonly happen in practices is that you have outlined rules. You might even have a section in your handbook, but how it's applied differs from person to person. And so there is, there is not equality and there's not fairness. And it's like, oh, okay, yes, this person's on their last warning, but they had a flat tire today, so I'm going to let this one slide. And then you have employee B who is on their last warning and they call out and you terminate them. That is applying the rules unfairly to different to people, different, different people in different ways. And it is completely unfair. And you need to have a plan for how are you enforcing it and making sure that the rules, whatever you decide that your rules are, that you are going to apply them across the board um, without, without prejudice, that, that is the number one mistake that I see happen often in practices is they're like, well, they've been here so long and they're so awesome when they're here. And so, you know, I'm going to give them a break, but then, you know, whether it's 
um, you know, the, the same month or whether it's two years from now, the next person in that same scenario, um, you apply the rules differently, your team will notice that. And if you think that they're not talking about all of this stuff behind your back, you're crazy because they are. And they recognize when you are not applying the rules the same way to to different people. And that is the number one thing that will kill you as a, as a manager or boss when it comes to having, um, you know, rules in your handbook is that you have to enforce them and they have to be enforced fairly across the board. Yeah. I completely agree with that. And that, and, and I hate to say it, but I'm going to bring up a, a red button trigger thing that includes your associate doctors. If you have a policy that applies to your team, you cannot have your doctors be in a completely different class about how those rules are applied. If they are, if they are um, attendance-related things and you're asking the team one thing, unless you have outlined completely different rules for your doctors, you cannot treat them differently than you do your team because you are going to lose your team if that is the case. Yeah, we had a we had a good podcast on that recently about uh, when the when the doctors when the doctors don't have to follow the rules but the techs do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Oh man, I hope I hope that this is helpful for our our friend who who wrote in. Um, and if there's follow up questions, um, and if you guys any of you guys who have who have written in and sent us an email and asked us to talk about something on the podcast, if you get to the end of the episode and you're like, but I wish you had answered this question please feel free to shoot us another email and, and ask us. We're happy to answer questions. And if it's, um, you know, management or HR related, um, I, I know my limits and there are lots of big brains that have lots more numbers and letters behind their name than I do. And I'm happy to point you in the right direction. So if we didn't answer your question, please, uh, please feel to email, feel free to email us back and, uh, and clarify for us. Awesome. Well, thanks, Steph. I really appreciate it. Yeah, this was a good one. All right, cool. Talk to you later on. Have a good one. And that is what we have for you today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I hope you got a lot out of it. If you have any questions for us at all, please feel free to shoot an email to me and Stephanie. The email address is podcast at unchartedvet.com, podcast at unchartedvet. And if you're just sitting back and you're like, I don't have any questions, but I really enjoy this, head over to iTunes and write us a review if you don't mind. We would very much appreciated so itunes and just give us an honest review of what you think of the podcast gang have a wonderful week we'll see you back soon